this week is uh, our pastoral um, resident. Scott gave us a great charge last week from Ecclesiastes 1. A lot has happened in our world um, since last Sunday. It seems like almost every week something new happens. Um, I don't think that there has been very many weeks in the last few months in which um, you don't come to the to the worship gathering without just a deep desire to hear from the Lord, um, a deep desire to see the face of God, a deep desire to see Christ return. I, I um, sometimes this week um, I felt like writing Sometimes this week I felt like not writing and um, I chose to not write um, because there's just so much that people are writing in today's world. There's so much that people want to say I think they have all the answers or just think about these good words and um, I feel like the church at some points in this massive information download of social media and the like, at some points the church needs to pray and the church needs to love and the church sometimes needs to keep silent. This weekend, um, I am going to talk to you about um, what the Lord has been placing on my heart. 2019 was my first year with you, and we looked at 2 Chronicles 7.14, which told us and asked to seek the face of God and return to worship and prayer, and I believe that the Lord has granted us that at Northwest as we seek the Lord alone, not the things um, that normally a church would seek after, but seeking the Lord. In 2020, last year, at the beginning of the year, if you remember, um, we talked about encouraging Christ-centered community within the body. It's interesting, uh, I read to you Hebrews chapter 10, 24, I'll read it to you again, and let us consider how to stir up one another toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Two things I didn't know that was going to happen in 2020 when I read this to you and we had this vision for community within the body, that the body of Christ would encourage one another within Christ-centered community. One thing was that we would be absent of community for a very long time, and even if we returned to community with one another, that it would be difficult. Some of you know that we went almost nine weeks without a physical gathering as the church here. Some churches all over the states have still not gathered. Some of you have not been with us for 10 months, and from March 15th until May 17th, we met online and we did not have 
in-person gatherings. And then after, we're trying to connect with people, trying to connect our people, the church, together in genuine community in a pandemic with masks, with those social distancing, with all of these things has been difficult. And yet, it has shown us our longing for Christian community, our longing for our need and our need for encouragement from the body of Christ. And the second thing I didn't know entering into 2020 that we would talk about this year would be the desire for Christ's return. And as you see in this, in this statement in verse 25 of Hebrews 10, all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day is when Christ returns. And the church is waiting in expectation for that day more and more as the day draws near. And as we go in 2021 and in years and this decade, we know that the church will need one another in encouragement and community to stand with one another in difficulty. But let's talk about some of the things that God did this last year. As we do need to celebrate, we do need to look back and say, Wow, God was glorified in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of a very, very difficult situation. We did have three community groups launch in 2020. That's, that's a big deal for us. We had three new community groups in Espanol as well. We had 27 new baptisms New believers coming in the midst of a pandemic. We had 18 new members coming to the church in a pandemic. In 2020, we celebrated 90 years of Northwest, two separate times, one in March and was cut short online. And then we moved the in-person gathering to October. And we were, we were reminded of the faithfulness of our God through the past 90 years of his church here at Northwest. During the pandemic, one of the greatest things I think the Lord did and one of the things that um, uh, allowed us to continue to focus upon the ministry and how to deal with all of the things that the pandemic brought as a church and as leadership in the church was the continuous giving of God's people through this time. At the end of 2020, our giving was $50,000 $50, above what our budget was. That means you gave over $50,000 what we budgeted for 2020. At the end of 2020, we had $65,000 in which was dif our difference between our giving and our expenses. On top of that, we raised um, money for uh, different projects within the body. We raised 32000 in our 90 for 90 campaign to, to pay for these, these chairs. We gave 20000 to the renewal project, was different projects in which we had been working on. 42000 was given to our new welcome center. 10000 for a new transportation storage area. If you're counting, that's $104,000 above uh, our, our budget money that was given towards special projects specifically dealing with
with our building. We also gave towards missions in a big way as the church gave $86,000 to the cooperative program. On top of that, we gave $10,000 to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering going to the IMB. Nearly $15,000 went to the World Mission Fund and $5,000 went to NAM and Oklahoma Baptist. If you're counting, that's another $105,000 going to the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ from our church. The Lord provided for us in a mighty way as we sold the Zomi church behind us. He gave us the ability to renovate this worship center and we spent six months worshiping in the gym while the Lord provided many workers that volunteered their time and many people that gave a lot to let this worship center become a reality. The worship center was outfitted with new seating, sound, lighting, carpets, cameras that were equipped to stream the service. Speaking of streaming the service, 2020 began our streaming. A young man um, came from our language learning fellowship. His name was Eleazar Lopez, and he teamed up with some of our own people, Daniel Sanders and others, to create a team that could stream all of our services very quickly in the midst of a pandemic. We didn't know how important that would be, but the Lord had brought us Eleazar at the beginning of January, and he had been working with us for three months before the pandemic began. Not a lot of, quit, a lot of equipment, but a lot of hard work. These, these people put this service together and one to, to one of the best streams that the city has to offer. Our Welcome Center was remodeled with fantastic upgrades, including to help the flow and uh, people coming into our worship center. It was outfitted with real pictures taken by our people for the mission and the values for what we see at God's church here at Northwest Baptist. We had four vocational ministers who were sent out from our church in 2020. Erica Taylor became the children's minister at Newcastle. She was one of our associates in children's ministry. David Gonzalez became the youth pastor at FBC Holdenville. He was our worship pastor for Northwest Espanol. Cameron Fuller became the youth pastor at Pathway Church in Yukon. He was our associate youth director. And Chris became the pastor at Cherokee Hills. He went from youth pastor to pastor. We got creative in a lot of ways uh, during trying to do ministry in the pandemic. We did a Park It in Prayer event, which we had a service in our parking lot. Not sure that's ever happened before in our history, but maybe it has, maybe in the revival times. We did virtual Bible school, led to dig in at home children's discipleship. We had outdoor gatherings on Wednesday nights throughout the summer for the youth and children's and amphitheaters um, in front lawns of the church, uh, at parks, in places all over the city. Um, we started a women's 12-step program called Tw Total Surrender on Wednesday nights. We adopted senior adults to make sure that they were getting uh, someone to look after them and make sure that they were cared for. We had NWBC Loves OKC bags. We handed out hundreds of those bags. Also, our Northwest Espanol brothers handed out 80 homeless bags um, throughout the city. Some of our other events we had before the pandemic, pancakes and princesses. After the pandemic, boys and moms campfire. We had lights over Northwest, Mission OKC. Um, while we were still on um, uh, on for the gospel. We welcomed in a uh, new 
pastoral resident, as you guys heard him last week. We also developed a strategic leadership team, which put together um, some of the ideas as we move forward and begin to roll those things out to the congregation of where we see the Lord moving us in the future. A new website was launched. We endured an ice storm, uh, and we helped many through that ice storm, had a candlelight service at Christmas Eve, and here we are, 20. 21. That's a lot. And let's give God glory for some of the things that he has done. Amen. I, I know I'm forgetting a lot. I had to cut some of those things out just to get some of those things in. But here we are in 2021 and where do we go from here? What, what will the church look like this decade? What will it look like now, and what will our focus be at Northwest Baptist into our future? And the Lord has just placed on my heart again and again this thought process. He's been confirming it this morning. People I've talked to, many individuals who are hurting, many people in our congregation, in our city, who are angry. There's many people that are confused. What is God calling us right now at Northwest Baptist to be about? What, what do we need to cling to right now? And the Lord keeps bringing me back to this thought process. I I told you I preached a series um, for Christmas, Joy to the World, because I, 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 I do feel like our world needs joy. I feel like our hearts as the church need joy. But the Lord keeps bringing me back to this thought process that repentance brings joy. If you look at Psalm chapter 126, verse 5, we're going to look at Psalm 126 this morning. I want to read this to you. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. This is the word that we need as a church, a nation, and individually, that repentance brings joy. The Lord himself is calling people back to him. 2020 has surely awakened your soul to the realities of the brokenness of our world and our need for a Savior. And God keeps on trying to get his people's attention. So we must not miss this. John Piper said it this way. Do not waste the pandemic. Do not waste 
the pandemic. Now is the time of repentance, a time of yearning for God and his word. It is a time where we feel the reality of our life is but a vapor and realize that what we need is that which will be eternal, that which will satisfy, that which is truth. We need God himself. We need a revival of the heart. That's what I've entitled this sermon this morning, a revival of the heart. And only God gives that. We can't conjure that up. That is only through God coming and doing that. Look at what the psalmist says in chapter 126. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word in Psalm chapter 126, it says this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you broken, a people that weep over our nation, over our church, over the church. Father, we come before you humbly with a heart that weeps for what we see in our world, for what we see in our own hearts. Father, give us grace. As a people, give us grace as a nation that we may see your forgiveness and your salvation. And find joy in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. This was a few years ago. I think it was 2006, so 14 years ago. But it was 3 a.m. And I was in Golden, Missouri. I don't know if you never know where that is. But I was in Golden, Missouri. Um, and I was a camp counselor. 
at a camp called Kids Across America. And it was 3 a.m. during our camp counselor training. And these leaders of the week rushed into our bunkhouse and they awakened me and other men in our bunkhouse with a stir of the sound of men yelling, let's go, get up, it's time. Not knowing what was happening, I kind of rolled over and just tried to go back to sleep, but these people were serious. They wanted us to put our shoes and our shorts on. It's my first time being a counselor at Kids Across America, and it was training week. So I get my shoes on along with the other male counselors, my shorts, and we begin to run up this hill. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling of waking up in the middle of the night and beginning to run, but it's a terrible feeling. What were we doing? Why is this happening? And we went up this hill and we began to wind around into some wooded area Began to what looked like hike a trail. And now we're going into the woods and I'm starting to really now get scared. It's 3 a.m. in the woods. I'm not sure who these people are really. And I'm coming into this clearing and there's a line of fire in the dirt. The leaders stop us. They said, hey, you know what, this next few weeks, you're going to be tested uh, above anything that you've ever been tested with. What happens at Kids Across America is they take uh, inner city kids from all over the U.S., New Orleans, New York, Boston, L.A., Houston, wherever, and they bus them to one area. It's a... It's a um, um, it's a camp that's associated with Canicut camps, and they bring them in, and they give them life. It's like our champs camp, except on, on steroids. They, they have a huge amount of kids, and they sleep there, and they're there all week. And so you as counselors are dealing with really difficult lives of children, children that have gone through things that um, some of us will never have to endure. And the leaders had this fire in, in the dirt and they, they read 1 Corinthians 16, 13. They said, be on alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong, do all that you do in love. And they called us to put aside our childish ways and to become men who were unhindered by sin and focused upon the advancement of the gospel to become like a man. And they implored us to not cross the line. Don't cross the line. I, I, I don't want you to cross this line. If you don't want to put aside your childish ways and act like a man of God. If you're still going to continue to dabble in your worldly ways, don't cross the line, is what they said. But if you're serious, if you want to be men of God and throw off any sin that in easily entangles us, then I want you to cross the line. 
And allow the Lord to empower you with his spirit to live in freedom for Christ, to turn from your sin and live in freedom for Christ. I can, I can remember not knowing what was happening at the very moment as grown men began to, to cry. It, it seems like an oddity that at that very moment when people were challenged in the faith and the truth and the reality of the word of God, that you are either in or you're out that you're either for Christ or you're against Christ. That it broke some men. Because they, they knew what idols they had put in their hearts, what, what, what places they had put in their heart of their sin, and they loved it. And they desired that sin. But it broke them in their heart to recognize and realize that if they were truly going to follow Christ, if they were truly going to be a person that could be used for the gospel and the advancement of the gospel, that they were going to have to enjoy God and be satisfied in God alone above any idol in their life. And it broke them to understand that they had placed all of these things in their heart and their mind above Christ himself. And in that very moment, I think the Lord convicted people of their own sin. And myself. And began a heart of revival. As one who sees his sin before an almighty God. There there are these moments in time in which you see these things playing out. They're defining moments. One is when Jesus is sitting with some Pharisees and a woman at the feet of Jesus comes in and she begins to weep at his feet over her sin. And her tears hit the feet of Jesus and she wipes them from her hair. And the Pharisees look at one another and they snicker and sneer at Jesus and says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. Is she a sinner? That she is a sinner. And Jesus turns to the Pharisees and gives them a short parable. He says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. It's like two years worth of wages. The other 50 is like a month of wages. But when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose from who he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. 
But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The person who genuinely repents finds true joy. And when they are in the attitude of repentance, they pick up the seed of the word of God because they cling to the gospel. And they begin sowing the seeds of the word of God because it is so important to them. And the gospel bears fruit just as it says in Psalm chapter 1, 26. Let's look at it together. Verse 1, when this Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. This is point number one. God's restoration is complete. God's restoration is complete. God is speaking here in verse one of his restoration of Zion. Zion in the Old Testament can be used to describe the city of Jerusalem, the region of Judah, or God's people. In this section, we see God's restoration of his people. And there are four things I want you to see from these three verses that God's restoration brings. The psalmist is telling us God has brought forth this because of his restoration. So before you know how to be restored, you need to know what he brings forth. This is what the psalmist is explaining. Number one, God's restoration brings his presence. Look at what it says. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. God's restoration brings his presence. The city of Jerusalem was the city of the temple. God's presence among his people. They would come to worship in Jerusalem. And God's restoration of that city would bring about worship of God and his presence filling the temple. Guess what? Who is the temple in which God fills according to his presence? It is you, God's church. 1 Corinthians 6.15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined with the prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body." 
God's restoration brings about his presence. Why? Because the living God comes to dwell among his people. Where do you get that from? We're like those who dream. Guess who he pours his spirit out upon according to the prophet Joel. This is what it says in Joel 2.28. And it shall become to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Again, this is referred to in Acts chapter Acts chapter 2, when we're talking about the Pentecost and the Spirit coming upon God's people. Acts chapter 1, excuse me, and Pentecost and, and, and God coming upon his Spirit through the Holy Spirit. That I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. The dreams and the visions are responses. The prophecy of the word of God, the preaching of the word of God, the prophecy, the prophetic word, communication of the truth of, about God is actually coming about from the spirit of the living God. So when the Lord restores his people, we were like those who dream. His people is meaning his presence among them. He is communicating to his people. They are seeing what the Lord wants to see in and through their own mind and their heart and their ears are hearing what the Lord wants to communicate to them. In the Old Testament, the Lord would speak to his prophets through dreams and visions. And he says in the New Testament, after Christ, he will pour out his spirit. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Sons and daughters will prophesy. The Lord himself will come to those who are restored, the filling of God's presence. Number two, God's restoration brings laughter and joy. Chapter two, then our mouths were filled with laughter and tongues with shouts of joy. When the weight of sin is lifted and God's people see the joy of the Lord is their strength, guess what? They can enjoy the moment. And they also can laugh. This very interesting Proverbs 31 talks about the Proverbs 31 woman talks about the woman who laughs at the time to come. This is what it says in Proverbs 31, 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. Why can God's people laugh and why does their tongue with shouts of joy is because they can live in the very moment in which they are in. They're not concerned about what will happen in the future, what will come of them in the church, what will happen in this disease, what will happen of these things. They can enjoy the moment and they laugh at the time to come because they know the Lord's presence is with them the shouts of joy are bold as their place is one who has been restored. Part, the second part of that verse, and they 
said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. This is number three, God's restoration bring forth his glory among the nations. This restoration does not happen in silence as the nations take note of a sinner repenting and receiving God's forgiveness. You see, the nations see the gospel lived and played out in the lives of men and women who call on God for repentance. And the last one, and then the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad God's restoration brings gratitude. Gratitude is essential for walking with the Lord. If your heart is ungrateful for your wife, if your heart is ungrateful for your job, for your church, what God has called you to, you're in need of God's restoration. And the time of repentance. Romans 1 talks about the heart of ingratitude. Romans chapter 1, 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. You see, rejecting Christ is really a heart of ingratitude toward God. A sign of not receiving the gift that he has given to cover our sin is a sign our heart needs repentance because God's restoration through repentance brings about a heart of gratitude. The psalmist begins the psalm with the end result, the complete restoration. A restoration that brings the presence of God, communication with the Lord, fellowship with him. It brings laughter and joy. God's restoration brings God's glory among the nations. You're fulfilling the call in which God has put you on the earth to fulfill. And it brings gratitude in your life. This is God's restoration plan. This is what he wants to do to you, the church, the people of God. Verse 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the negative. This one gets its own point this morning. I'm sorry, this gets its own point. It's too much. Point number two, finding complete satisfaction in God causes one to enjoy the rest of their life. Let me say it one more time. Finding complete satisfaction in God causes one to to enjoy the rest of their life. Don't misunderstand me. It is complete satisfaction in God. And desiring him alone that one can enjoy the rest of their life. You see that, that word, we, see, we find ourselves that the, the, that the psalmist is crying out to the Lord to restore our fortunes. Oh Lord, what is he talking about? Is he asking for material possessions? Is he asking to restore all the things that have been stripped from our life? He says, 
Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. A short look at that word fortunes, you'll find it in many places. One of the places you find it is in Job. The Lord has stripped Job of all of his earthly possessions. He has nothing left. He has been stripped of his his family. He's been stripped of his money. He's been stripped of his health. He's been stripped of everything that he has on this earth. And it's interesting in Job 42.10, after the process of all this takes place, and Job is stripped of everything, it says this, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. We can go into that at some point in the future. But when he had prayed for his friends, Friends, he was restored the fortunes, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So, is this what the psalmist is really after? Fortune? No, this is the this is God's pattern in which he gives his people. When God brings restoration to our life. As he just said, he brings his presence, he brings joy in him, he brings glory among the nations, he brings gratitude. We are completely satisfied in the Lord God Almighty. God's restoration means that we are completely satisfied. We have repented of all of our sin. We are completely satisfied in the Lord himself. But the Lord chooses oftentimes, to bless his people with fortunes. But it's interesting because people who have been restored by God are not interested in the fortunes. Matthew 13, tells us this. They're more interested in God himself. The parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found and covered it up, then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So he sees the beauty of the gospel And he sells everything he has just to have that. You see, a love for God is being completely satisfied in him. So the fortune in this case is not driving our heart as it is with the false gospel of the health and wealth gospel. But often in restoration, God actually does choose to bless his people who love the Lord. Deuteronomy 30 verse 1 talks about this in his restoration, his restoring. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord your God has driven you and returns to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul, 
Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. You see that? Your obedience with all your heart and your soul, your love for God is driving the restoration of fortune. Jesus says it like this. I, I, I can't say it any better than this. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what are the streams in the Negev? They were in the south of Israel. They were often dry riverbeds that lacked rain. But when the rain came, it was a rushing moment in which they filled the valley as an oasis in the desert. And the water came rushing in, bringing life and vitality, which, that which lacked it. So maybe you're, this morning you're, you're going, my heart is, is a dry desert. It's a parched, dry ground in need of spiritual renewal. I am in need of the gospel of Christ. Jesus says he is the only one that will satisfy. Jesus said to them in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see, only once someone finds complete satisfaction in God can they enjoy the fortunes God gives to them in their life. Because those fortunes are not something they base their life around. It's not an idol in which they worship. They know that it's something that will not last. They are not worshiping those fortunes because their life is Christ and they can enjoy the moment in which God has placed them in. They can enjoy a nice, juicy steak because they're not worshiping the steak and making their whole life revolve around the steak. They can give thanks to the Lord for his creation. This is what he, he says, this is what the word says in 1 Timothy six seventeen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides for us with everything to in joy. So when he asks for fortunes to re- be restored, it's not so that he will have fortunes, but that he can, he can first find complete satisfaction in the Lord and his restoration, and he can enjoy the rest of his life. Verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with sounds of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is where you get. So if you're reverse, if you're going in reverse, God's showing what restoration um, brings about. He's showing us how to have the heart of complete restoration in verse, in verse 4. And now he's showing us how restoration comes about. This is our point number three this morning, and it's thus. Complete restoration brings kingdom joy. Complete restoration brings kingdom joy. You see, when we read this verse, those who sow in tears... True gospel repentance involves a heart of sorrow. Those who weep 
those who sow in tears. Some of our hearts have grown hardened towards sin. Some of our hearts have grown hardened towards the word of God. Some of our hearts have grown hardened towards the gospel of Christ. A variety of circumstances could have brought that out. But the way we know that it is hard is by the way that we pray. You see, a heart of repentance actually comes about through asking God for it. The one who sows in tears, the woman at the foot of Jesus is actually the person who asked the Lord for a heart of repentance. During times in which revivals have happened, there have been certain characteristics that have revealed themselves. One is to become completely aware of the holiness of God, who he is and his righteousness. The other is the gospel has become very precious to people. I hope now is that time for us as a church and I hope now is a time in which we begin to go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. So what is a thorough work of repentance in the hearts of man? It's one that stops excusing sins, calls them by their right names and turns from them in true sorrow. Some of you know I had an opportunity to go last week to a friend of mine recently speak with his church and he is experiencing God's restoration. And one of the interesting things that happened in the, his life is not the Lord's conviction of his great sins but also his small sins. Sins that you and I would think, oh man, it's not really that big of a deal. Yet to the Lord, it is. Jesus paid for that sin. He shed his blood upon the cross for sinners and he does not take lightly sin. Verse 6 tells us, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for showing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. 
See, when people experience spiritual renewal in their heart, in their mind, they experience God's restoration, God will use them to sow seeds of the gospel because it has become so precious to them that he will, all they can do is share that gospel with others. And they will rejoice because they will see God's restoration not only explained in their heart or exclaimed in their heart, move forward in their own heart by their own practice, but also seeing other people finding joy from God's salvation. The most fruitful times in evangelism over the history of the church have been the times when God's people were first broken in repentance over their own sin. So where do I see us in 2021 and where does this fit in? I think that as a body and as a church, we need to take sin seriously. I think as the church, we should begin to examine our own hearts and to take sin seriously. I think we also need to take the gospel serious and it needs to be precious to us. When we view ourselves, do we view the gospel and the gospel message itself that Christ came to die for sinners upon the cross, giving his life for you and for me? Do we take that and hold on to that preciously? We need to allow a heart of repentance to lead to joy in our own congregation. We need to rejoice at sinners who repent and confess their sins. We need to be ready for God's restoration in the lives of people so that the advancement of the gospel continues to happen in the life of God's church. The cycle, God restores. We sow seeds of the gospel and we see other lives transformed by the power of his word. We're going to spend a couple more weeks on this, and I hope that it will impact you in a great, mighty way as it is impacting my heart and mind, and I want to share this with you. So if you're looking for a quick fix to fix the problems in our nation, fix the problems in our community, to fix the problems in our church, we're going to start with our own heart. We're going to examine our own heart. 
We're going to encourage one another in that. We're going to ask God to give us hearts of repentance. And we're going to sow seeds of the word of God and the gospel into the lives of people because it is precious to us. We're going to find complete satisfaction in the Lord himself and thus be able to enjoy the life no matter what comes our way. Because as Scott said, our life is but a vapor, a vapor, a mist. So let's pray. As the worship team comes up, if you're needing prayer this morning, if you're needing to confess your sins to someone, if you're needing to get on your knees and ask the Lord for healing in your own life, if you're, in, if you're feeling the spirit of the living God calling you, pray that you would respond. Pray that you would respond in your own heart and your mind to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you as a people knowing our own hearts, knowing our own weaknesses and our need for your complete and utter restoration in our lives. Father, we are broken, we are ashamed, we are humiliated by the things that we have done. And yet, Father, you still love us. You still have a plan for our lives. You want to completely restore us. Father, fill our mouths with laughter, our tongues with joy. Father, let the nations see your church and rejoice. Father, we're not a fake people. We know that there are many in this room living in sin right now. We pray that you convict their heart. We pray that they would humbly come before you in repentance, confession of sin, and allow God's restoration <coughs> to bring healing to their soul. Father, we pray that they would seek out the help that you want to give them. In Jesus' name we pray.